At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. I want to tell you guys about Infertile Teas. Infertile Teas was created by Marilyn Gomez, who is an IVF survivor, mom to her one and only. Infertile Teas sells graphic teas made with the silent sufferer and infertility warrior in mind. Their graphic teas, hats, socks, masks, and a plethora of other goods are created and curated with you in mind to tell your story your own way. You guys, I really love Infertile Tees because the quality of the shirts are fan-freaking-tastic. They're soft and they feel great against your skin. The designs are very beautiful. Marilyn designs all of the graphics herself and she also draws those graphics. So she's an all-around creative badass, you guys. to check out infertile teas and when you do when you find that special item that showcases you while also advocating for infertility and or miscarriage awareness use code IAM15 to get a discount on your purchase you guys will not regret it check out infertilities.com for your infertility advocacy awareness products Welcome to Infertility and Me Podcast, a show that amplifies diverse stories about the struggles of infertility and fertility in a safe space. Our goal is to normalize fertility stories that validate, give hope, and create a community where no one is left silently suffering. Thank you guys so much for being here with me. This is Infertility and Me Podcast, and I am your host, Monique Farouk, your fertility friend, advocate, and women's health advocate and fertility bestie. Thank you guys so much for being here with me. Thank you for letting me be a part of your day, friend. So today's episode, as you could tell from the title, we're talking about trying to conceive when you are religious or deeply spiritual within Catholicism, Christianity, Buddhism, Judaism, whatever your religious beliefs are and how they contribute to how we navigate infertility and fertility struggles. And Dr. Anna Locke is actually a counselor and she has been in the profession of counseling for more than 15 years. She holds a doctorate in counseling and is licensed professional counsel counselor in multiple states and including Puerto Rico, which is her home country. And she is currently the owner of Charlandra Counseling Services. It's a virtual infertility counseling center, and she is an assistant professor at Nyack College. Dr. Anna is also an active leader in the American Counseling Association and the author of Body Betrayal, Living and Understanding Infertility, as well as her second book, An Introduction to 21st Century Counseling, A Multicultural and Social Justice Perspective. From her personal and clinical experience with infertility, Dr. Anna created the Fertility Clarity Approach to Infertility counseling. And Dr. Anna today is going to tell us a little bit about her story to momhood and then also give her thoughts about 
how we can navigate infertility and and bridging that gap that also sometimes can leave us feeling overwhelmed and how can we navigate infertility and if I'm being punished by God what can I do to increase my chances of trying to conceive and having that family that I desire and so today friends you can expect to get clarity and insight on how you personally can navigate infertility and fertility struggles when you are a deeply spiritual and or religious person and more so religious um, more than anything because that seems to be the common denominator with a lot of couples and individuals and feeling deeply deeply shamed and feeling like they've done something wrong or done something to piss God off and Dr. Anna also offers some tips for religious organization leaders and how they can better serve their congregation who may be dealing with fertility struggles and opening up those conversations with your congregation and or other leaders within your church so we'll be back in just a second guys with Dr. Anna Alrighty, you guys, we are back with Dr. Anna Locke on the line. Thank you so much, Dr. Anna, for coming onto the podcast and making time for us today. I appreciate you so, so very much. Thank you, Monique, for having this forum for us to talk about all things about culture and religion when it comes to infertility. Yes, I am so excited about this conversation because it's not one that I've had in this manner and it just really being focused on that aspect of life and infertility and fertility struggles in general. And so like I told you guys in the intro, Dr. Anna has done a lot of research in her career of 15 years as a counselor. And Dr. Anna, so you have your own story with fertility struggles. So how how did you find out that you were infertile or you had trouble conceiving? How did that happen? Yeah, so I do have my own story that I was blessed to actually write and publish in the book Body Betrayal. And I wrote that book to open doors of conversation within our communities of color because it's Mm -hmm. very stigmatized. And when I was writing the story, I was more scared that my parents were going to read it (laughs) and not the public (laughs) because my parents, I'm Puerto Rican, they didn't know my story. So I got married later. I would say I was 28 already. And like a lot of us women, we postpone childbearing because of career. So I was getting my master's degree in counseling. I started a private practice. I was working in the field. And so having a baby was prevented for years. And then when I got married to my husband, who was also older, we both were ready to have a family. That was our priority. I remember at my my wedding, and I write about this in the book, is I am Roman Catholic. So I had a traditional Roman Catholic wedding and they played the Ave Maria song when I went to give bouquets to the Virgin Mary. And so that was, yeah, yeah. that was powerful. That's a big, a big deal. deal. It was like a public statement yeah. and a prayer to the Virgin Mary for fertility, for babies or a baby, especially in the Latina Catholic culture of get married and then have children which I was following that path. And so I start with that story because that was where my pain, I guess, started because there was this hope of like, oh, 
I gave bouquet to the Virgin Mary. I'm married in a Catholic church. I'm walking out of the church and my husband and I are going to start a family. And then month after month after month went by and it was one year and then two years mm-hmm. and then three years. So three years of trying to naturally conceive and we were not successful. So within those three years, also part of this story is how shame, guilt, machismo (laughs) got in the way of us seeking treatment. I was a strong Latina woman. woman. I was like, I could do this. I got this under control. Like, I don't need help. Mm -hmm. And then my husband's like, month after month, when I would tell him no baby this month, he would just say, it'll happen. Just wait, it'll happen. And so that was that blame game in the bedroom, I call it, where him and I were just fighting because it obviously was not working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up finding out, well, I had unexplained infertility at first. And so then we did IUIs. Well, finally, when my husband and I decided to go to the doctor and we ended up in three different doctor's offices before we found the doctor. Yeah, I see you. (laughs) That's a topic for a that's whole a, entirely. That's a, a conversation. Yes, by it itself. is. Yeah. It is. Oh, wow. And it has really driven my passion for advocacy. And like I said, that's another topic because of that experience. So, so yeah, I mean, we were three years trying to conceive, no success. Finally, you know, my doctor, my gynecologist referred me to fertility specialist. We went through three doctors and my husband, he had low sperm count, low sperm quality because he's type one diabetic. So that was the male factor. And that female factor for me at the time, it was unexplained. So we did IUIs, no success. And then luckily, our first round of IVF, we got pregnant. You guys are like that 1% Uh, in the first, you know. (laughs) Now that I'm working in the field with women and couples, I mean, it's two times, 10 times, 20 rounds, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I know my story is very, very unique in that regard to be blessed after one cycle. So we implanted two at the time, 10 years ago, my doctor and I talked and she's like, well, you got strong embryos. We could put in one or we could put in two. And I was like, oh, I'm fine with twins. Let's go for two. It was really high risk for me. Like I was in the hospital for months. The babies were born premature. It was really a hard road. When I had my C-section to give birth, that's when the doctors found out that I had endometriosis. So that was my infertility diagnosis. Right. And so then everything becomes mm-hmm. clear, you know, when you get the, the diagnosis mm-hmm. of, of a disease like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm. So much frustration, but also so much hope too, because you, then you know that there's possibly a protocol mm-hmm. and a way to make things a little bit easier. So Dr. Anna, you were stating earlier about your entire childhood and growing up and as an adult, having such deep roots in Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And you, I heard you say that, you know, that there was a lot of shame surrounding your struggles with fertility mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. When was that moment when you were like, this has to be coming from mm-hmm. moral, cultural, religious beliefs? Yeah, I think that shame when you bring up the religious beliefs is... I was taught, I had this belief system that if you do good, you receive good. If you pray, God provides. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't working. And so instead of blaming God, because you have to be a good daughter to God, right? You love God. I had to turn that anger somewhere. And I ended up internalizing it, right? Taking it on my shoulder, saying, well, I must be punished 
maybe I'm being punished because I had premarital sex. I did have like HPV, which is a very common infection that actually impacted my cervix. So I had a surgery to remove part of my cervix, which contributed to me having premature babies because I had a shortened cervix. To your history, you think like it must be my fault. I must have done something wrong because of that belief system of if I was a good Catholic school girl and did what God commanded, I should get what I want. And it can't be God's fault. I can't be angry at God. So Mm -hmm. what do I do with this Mm -hmm. feeling (laughs) of being angry and disappointed? It became shame. And, you know, when when my family for those three years, especially after I got married, always ask, when are the kids coming? When are you having kids? What are you guys waiting for? Don't you want kids? And you go Mm -hmm. to baby showers and you go to weddings and you go to family events and there's pregnant cousins everywhere. (laughs) There's babies everywhere. (laughs) And you're there like, I'm barren. I'm not pregnant. Like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's something wrong with me and or my husband at that point. So yeah, I would say that's where that shame come from was I didn't give myself permission at the time, which is something Mm -hmm. I have learned to do now. And I help clients do is to, instead of internalize the anger, is to express that anger to God. Like God can handle all our emotions. So if you're angry at God, say, I'm angry, God. Why have you done this to me? What have I done? And that will be healing in itself to really just let it go from within and put it at the feet of God and say, I'm helpless. I need your help, right? I, and even if it is just starting with expressing that emotion and relieving yourself of that shame, that's going to be very, very emotionally helpful. And a common denominator I see, no matter what anyone's religion is, it almost feels like you're, you're letting God source, who, however you call it, down. Yes. And mm-hmm. like they're going to be disappointed in you that you mm-hmm. can't be fruitful and multiply. You're twisting yes. the word in the Bible and its verses to feed into those negative emotions, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I resonate with that. And I, I, I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily always shamed, but I always had like, it was like a feeling like I was letting my dad down. You know what I mean? Kind of mm-hmm. a feeling. Mm-hmm. And then it also mm-hmm. felt like like I was being punished, like you were just saying, mm-hmm. I was being punished for clubbing too hard and taking birth control, you know, and stuff, right? right? All of that. All of mm-hmm. those things into one. And when you when you started feeling like that, now did your husband, does he did he have the same belief systems as you? Yeah, no. So he's actually he's white American. And so his family, like his parents didn't pressure mm-hmm. him. I mean, they already had some grandkids. My parents didn't have any grandkids. So I had the added pressure. I was the oldest of two. My younger brother, he has disabilities. So he's most likely not going to have children. So it was really left to me. (laughs) It was left to me. And so I had that added pressure from my parents to make them grandparents. My husband, not so much because his parents had grandkids and being from the white American culture, they were just more respectful of those boundaries Mm, of just not. mm, mm -hmm. More relaxed about it, right? More relaxed. They weren't into our, they considered it our private matter. So they just never really talked about, you know, they never openly broached it with us. Really conservative, right? Yeah. Yeah, And conservative, Mm -hmm. right? So he, he didn't have that. I mean, obviously now we have conversations because I, I, part of my work is also engaging men 
in the process. And him and I have conversations and we also do podcasts and on this topic of him reflecting on the journey himself and him basically telling men like, you both are seeking the same goal and sometimes you need help from a doctor to get there. And that doesn't make you less of a man. Support your wife, do it together and go get the help that you need, you know, because now he has the children that he's always wanted and yearned for. So, yeah, so we had different cultural experiences in that regard. I think Mm -hmm. in brown communities, there's a really big emphasis on the patriarchy and Mm -hmm. the man making it happen. Right. And that plays a big part of how they react and what they're willing to do and Mm -hmm. not do in these instances. And it just takes a long time to break them down. That's what I dealt with. with At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. My husband, like, it just, he's from South Asia, he's from Bangladesh, and so it just, that was a tough cookie to crack, very tough cookie to crack. It is hard. Culturally, it's, he knew of it and he knew people who had went through it, knew for me. Both had resistances on both sides. And then, Mm -hmm. of course, like I was saying Mm -hmm. before, like when I was still very deeply religious in Christianity, I just felt like I was being punished for something that I did in the past, Mm -hmm. you know, mistreating someone or something like Mm -hmm. that. And then being sexually active Mm -hmm. before marriage, like all of those deeply rooted Mm -hmm. belief systems that we think Mm -hmm. are helpful growing up. But when we become an adult, Mm, kind of backfires a little bit. Yep, sure did. (laughs) Yeah, and I thank you for sharing that, Monique, because for a lot of us, infertility is a couple's Mm -hmm. issue warranting a couple's solution. And so you need both people and we both have our resistances. I mean, I I got to the point of desperation where I was like, I just want to have my baby over the shame and the guilt. I guess I still had it, but I was able to go into the medical treatment and do what I had to do. But then my husband... You know, he now can share, and I've learned this too through my experience, is I know men's sense of masculinity is tied to their sperm and to their ability to impregnate and to have good sperm and have many kids, you know. I always say like in the Latinx community, that image of Zorro, right? (laughs) The sexy, he's, you know, they can look at you and they get you pregnant, (laughs) you know, and... So a lot of couples are facing that where the man is just like, what it comes down to is fear, right? They fear hearing the news that there's something wrong with them medically, because that's so tied into their internal representation of their male identity. So if there's something wrong with my sperm, I'm not man enough. There's something wrong with me. I mean, I've talked to men who were willing to divorce their wives 
so their wives can find a man to have a child with, right? And then the wife is like, I married you, not for your sperm, you know? I mean, yes, I want to have a baby with you, but I love you. And they were able to, thank God, find a way to conceive. You said something earlier that stuck out too, which was you just got to the point of desperation where whatever core belief system she Mm -hmm. had didn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. And so when you got (laughs) to that point, was there Mm -hmm. any sense of relief in it a little bit? My relief came later. Mm -hmm. I think when I started writing my story and I started reflecting on the journey and I came to a place of saying, you know what, God works through the doctors. So I was still able to hold on to my relationship to God because he did bless me with the birth of my twins. Mm -hmm. The doctors can go so far, in my opinion. It's really that miracle of life from the higher power or the source, whatever we believe it to be, that makes that baby a reality. So medicine and God joined for me. And I think that was my relief of like bridging that gap. I kind of have both worlds bridging that gap. I think a lot of people are starting to realize that more now Mm -hmm. too, especially for those who are, um, who are devout Christians, uh, Catholics, whatever the religion may be. I think they're, people are finding it in their own way. And then with the help of counselors and doctors like yourself, who helped them to make that, that connection and the intersectionality, I guess also, with religion mm-hmm. and fertility struggles and procreation, because it is such a big deal mm-hmm. in most religions. It's procreating mm-hmm. and procreating for the cause. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Make a bigger yes, church. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yes. In-house. We just got to make it bigger on yeah. our own. Yeah. Wow. Mm, right. That's really eye-opening. And what I ended up, and what I also find out and research verifies this, is that most times the religious leaders are supportive of fertility treatments. Um, So religion doesn't serve as a barrier in the extent that like somebody tells me, oh no, my religious beliefs do not allow for fertility treatments or going through that process. Mm -hmm. Usually what I'm hearing is, no, when I do talk about it, their religious leaders are supportive. And uh, they do have scripture or belief systems that support using fertility treatments. And what's more so the barrier is that lack of access or lack of information and the shame and isolation that also stops you from accessing treatment. So that's more of those areas where we can, as helping professionals, make a difference by having these conversations so that people can say, oh, okay, you know, Dr. Anna did it. Maybe I can do it too. Or maybe I could talk to my doctor about this. Or I could talk to my priest about this. It's it's okay too. It gives them permission. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people Mm -hmm. are feeling like. They're looking for an approval, confirmation. Can we find a way to help religious leaders support those members Mm -hmm. of their churches who are having fertility struggles and then just opening that conversation? Because I think the the religious leaders are like father's figures to most people, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're looking for that Mm Well, daddy approves. Mm -hmm. That means I'm good to go. Like I remember as a little girl, like always just needing that approval from dad and mom. And then sometimes like dad would Uh wait more than mom sometimes. And it's Uh because we feel like our 
fathers just have this more of a energy or vibe of judgment and not wanting to disappoint again going back to not wanting to disappoint Mm -hmm. and so I wonder if there's a way we can help religious organizations and their leaders Mm -hmm. open the conversation with their members yeah and there actually was a black pastor who wrote her story and I'm not going to remember the name in the book but I could find it and get it to you, Monique. And she's really, that's her passion is in the religious communities to provide that um, information. So she's a black pastor who suffered from infertility Mm -hmm. and she had her own journey. And so she writes about it from that perspective. And I think the biggest thing, and the same with mental health, is the response a lot of times that your pastors give you is pray harder, pray more or fast, you know, do something religiously based to cure you from mental health or infertility. And it comes down to the validation Mm -hmm. or the understanding for pastors to be able to say, yes, we're going to pray and fast and you're going to go see a doctor Mm -hmm. or you're going to go see a mental health counselor because you need all of that. You need all of that to heal and move forward with your goal. They're not mutually exclusive. So I think that would be the biggest message for our religious leaders is like, yes, you can work in tandem with medical doctors, with mental health professionals to help your congregation heal through whatever pain they're going through. Had you ever had conversations with your your leader in your church about fertility? It was more so of my husband and I trying to go to the pastor so that my husband and I can join forces because it was at that battling phase where I wanted to seek help and he didn't. So I think that's when we saw the pastor. I think I was just so isolating that I didn't get help from my religious leaders either. So how did you move through going through IVF and having your, your twins and dealing with postpartum? Do you think that you leaned more into it and trying to find a way that allowed you to both pray and also be sad that this was your situation. I did. I think it was faith that kept me going. I mean, when I was in the hospital and on bed rest and each day meant a day closer to healthy babies being born, like that was faith, right? It was just like one more day, one more day, one more day. And it was God that sustained that faith, you know, or my relationship to God Mm -hmm. in prayer and just in knowing that he was with me, that he was there every step of the way. And I think it was just knowing that I had his support Mm -hmm. and the faith and knowing like, okay, he's going to pull me forth, brought me this far. It's going to happen. I love that you reiterated just taking it one step at a time and dealing with it one bit at a time instead of trying to take on the full thing and it Mm -hmm. gets overwhelming and we crash. Mm -mm. (laughs) You can't, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think now after writing my book and talking about this and sharing my story and finding my passion Mm -hmm. in my private practice is I have realized I've come to a place of saying, thank you, God, for bringing me my purpose in life Mm. through infertility. I mean, yes, I'm still sad and I'm still disappointed that we, I can't get pregnant naturally. Like I still had that fantasy and desire, right. Just to, because I just wanted that experience of like, oops, I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and, but that wasn't my story. You just come back to, okay, God, the story you've given me is to know infertility so I can really be the best support 
as a counselor to other people going through it because I really get it. Yeah. And it's, and what I'm also hearing too from Mm -hmm. you is that, you know, there's this component of acceptance and Mm -hmm. not acceptance in a way that says like, you're just going to roll over and die. You know what I mean? But just acceptance Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. this is what we have to deal with. This is what we need to do to get to our Mm -hmm. end goal. And we're just going to day by day, step by step, get through it. But you're right. I mean, one of those psychological strategies I use is acceptance. Coming to a place of saying infertility does not define me. It is a part of my story. It's a medical condition I have. And it's like out here. It's out, you know, it's it's this thing out here or the infertility beast, mm-hmm. as I call it. It's not you, right? And that helps to, it's called externalizing because then you can at least feel like I have a sense of control and power because mm-hmm. now there's things yeah. I can do, yeah. right? To cope, to find a way to get pregnant. You know, there's things that we can do instead of if you hold it in, and say there's something wrong with me, you're sit, you're stuck in shame, guilt, being isolated. It's harder to take action steps, steps from that yeah, place. Yeah. Are there one or two things you that know? you would say to our friends in the community who who may be deeply uh-huh. rooted in spiritual beliefs and are deeply spiritual and deeply religious people uh-huh. that can help them not move past, but cope with and manage intertwining Mm -hmm. religion and reproductive assistance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, God is, there's a purpose to this story that God is, is um, having you go through at this time and reproductive assistance is a gift from God that is here for you to take advantage Mm -hmm. of. So God really works through those doctors' hands. And so if, you know, when God opens that door (laughs) and says, walk Mm -hmm. through it, this will help you walk through it with God alongside you, with your faith, with your prayers, and with your faith community. And, um, And sometimes, you know, when you're on the journey, there's moments when there may be people who are in your community who don't understand it right. yet, you know, don't. Right. And that's also one of these pain points, I would mm-hmm. say, right? Because we feel like we, we're going to lose those people or how do we navigate those relationships yeah. with people who don't fully understand, don't yeah. agree, mm-hmm. right? And don't fully understand, don't agree. And so that's when we say, okay, well, at this time, this is what I'm deciding to do. And that relationship for me is going to look different right now. And after I'm in a different place in my journey, I'll come back to that relationship. Or I'm going to cultivate that differently. So there's like, there's ways to manage it so you don't lose it, but it'll adapt. Mm -hmm. You just have to adapt it sometimes. Mm -hmm. But I think that... For me, that message of like God is working through doctor's hands and it is something, it's an option for us that we have because of technology yeah. mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not mutually exclusive from our religious beliefs. It's a medical condition and you need medical help for that. Yes. Thank you for that reminder, Dr. Anna. Thank you yeah. for that. 
I'm going to pass the mic right back to you. And if there's any last words you have for the community, then you can say it at this time. And as well as where we can find you if we're local or you offer teletherapy. So I am certified as a telehealth provider. So I do provide uh, one-on-one and couples counseling in Illinois, New York, New Jersey, and Puerto Rico. And consultation and supervision, um, not only to clients, but also to providers and fertility doctors, because they also need the support in being culturally adaptive and affirming to our communities of color, and also to support their own wellness. I mean, doctors are human. Cut the doctor's oasis. They need their healing space too. So I provide wellness seminars for doctors as well and staff because the nurses and all of them are part of our healing community and need our support too. Wonderful. They need my support. Wonderful. And yeah. I'm sorry, I forgot. And I'm also, <laughs> I provide clinically guided conversations through Eventbrite. So once a month, I have a different topic. Uh, people can also find me on Inventbrite and those are open to the public and that's free to attend and that'll be once a month and it's a nice way of building community too because people just come together and they can share their stories and they have an expert uh like yourself to to help guide them yeah yeah yeah, that's wonderful 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 and I'm going to have all of that in the show details for you guys Mm -hmm. whether you're watching on YouTube or on the streaming platform you can go directly to Dr. Anna's website and receive more information and also connect with her deeper um, for your consults and things like that so dr anna this is amazing and i'm so glad that we had the opportunity to get on the line and get to know each other a little bit better and for you to Mm -hmm. speak to the community about your story and also how you move through it being deeply spiritual person that's very important moving forward now especially the fact that you have telehealth Mm -hmm. therapy because many people find that more of a, a better way of being vulnerable with their with their right, therapist. Yeah. So that's amazing. I love Good. that. Thank you. Yes, and they can do it from mm-hmm. home and be comfortable. Exactly. So friends, y'all know where to find me, Infertility and Me Podcast on Instagram. Peace and blessings. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.